Welcome to DevOps Chats, the industry-leading podcast for DevOps, digital transformation, cloud native, and cybersecurity. If it's happening, it's happening on DevOps Chats. Hey, everyone. I'm Alan Schimmel. And I'm Mitchell Ashley. And you're listening to DevOps, DevOps Chats. Chats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mitchell, we got to work on that synchronization i don't think we'd make the olympics uh, synchronized swimming team with that but there's a little bit too much pause but we'll get it down we'll get it down we got, we got saying you know still secure after all these years and other names and but we'll get we'll get it we'll yeah, get i'm never quite sure together. what name to say to tell you the truth <laughs> that's just right. getting old they didn't tell you about this stuff when i was younger that's anyway right. so mitchell we're back we're back in the swing of things here hosting both devops chat and Security Boulevard's chats. And they are available as audio and video podcast on your podcast platform of choice, mm -hmm. as well as on uh, TechStrong TV or mm -hmm. .TV, I believe it's on there as well. Um, and I'm I'm having a lot of fun doing it, Mitch. It's easy to fall back, you know, what's it back in the saddle again? It, it is. And well, first I love doing this with you when we started you know, back you mm -hmm. know, 15, 20 years ago. And I was listening Every to- Every bit of first... 20 years ago, Mitch. Yeah, I was trying <laughs> to give us a little room there. All right. <laughs> um, but I was listening to the first first one that we just recorded a couple of weeks ago and just the audio. And I just had this sort of like reminiscence of like listening to us on podcasts before, like, and yeah. just hearing our voices and, and, and instead of seeing each other and hearing voices, there's something about the richness of the voice of the person, you know, yeah. just hearing you and not seeing you, but just hearing you, it was kind of, I don't know if I would say it's more intimate or more, you know, connected it's to warm. It. Should, maybe yeah. I'm just being nostalgic, but I really Let like, me ask you, you think cool. our voices have changed. I mean, certainly our looks have changed. 20 years ago <laughs> but i feel like my voice is similar still i know yeah i, I, I think it is i'm i think mine yeah, is but, but we you know, know we've been talking all this time so who the heck knows yeah anyway <laughs> it's it's great to be on mitch let's jump into because we got a bunch of stuff to cover for devops chat this week and you know as we've been doing we've been kind of featuring what's news in devops what do we think is cool as well as some of the things we're seeing on um, devops.com Mm -hmm. Right. Some of the hot topics, hot stories there. So a hot story that ran, I had, well, the time people listen to this, it'll be the end of this week or next week. But a hot story from this week on DevOps.com was the practicalities of open sourcing. Mm -hmm. And it was a contributed article. Um, I'm just trying to remember. It's Ashwin Raghav, Moha, Ashwin Raghav Mohan Ganesh, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and the gist of the article was kind of a how-to and, and gotchas and things to be aware of if you want to open source some software you wrote. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Mitch, every developer, well, every developer wants to develop. Some have visions of developing something that they sell, you know, write once and sell millions of times and become wealthy beyond their dreams. Mm -hmm. Others think <laughs> of writing something and then they're going to open source it in some way, change the world. Uh -huh. um, you know, the next Linux, the next open exactly. telemetry, the next what have you. But what was interesting in this article is these guys took a no holds barred approach. You know, the grass isn't always greener. 
No, and uh, it was pretty down-to-earth practical, right? I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't uh, visions of sugar plums dancing in your no. head, being the next Linus, you know, <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of person. And they had a lot of good, a lot of good recommendations. And they talked about the, I, I, you know, maybe it's the, you know, the fear of making or faking it about, okay, do I really want to contribute to open source? People are going to find out how good a developer I am. Maybe I'm not as good as I think. And it was mm -hmm. just issues like that, as well as, you know, contributing to open source projects. And it well, the, the nuts and bolts of, of you know, <clears throat> starting an open source project, maintaining mm -hmm. an open source project, you know, and, and I hope in reading that article, people would have a newfound appreciation of for maintainers of open source projects it, because it's a labor of love it is a labor yeah, it's of not love. A, in most <laughs> cases it's not a paying position uh, it's a thankless job in some ways and it's a lot of work all those uh, a lot people of work. responding to about bugs in your software at work well guess what everybody across the world might be emailing you or messaging you about or cursing you open source right yeah um <laughs> You know what else, though, it made me think when I was reading that article, Mitch, something that happened in both of our careers was, you know, you you have the best of intentions. You're going to open source this software and you hope you build a community around it. And, and wow, Eureka, you do. It's a tremendous community. And then you find people who are basically building off of your contribution of your contributed source code mm -hmm. to build very successful business models mm -hmm. and companies. And you say to yourself, that's not right. I, they're building off of mine. I want to pull my software out of open source, right? We saw Renaud Dreisen and Ron, mm -hmm. right? At Tenable, Ron Gula do this. I guess had it around 2005, 2006, something yeah. like that yeah. with Nessus. Mm -hmm. um, and they just they just stopped developing open an open version. They still had a free version you could use, but it wasn't right. open anymore. Right. And of course, there was the the fork of Open Vaz, mm -hmm. right? If you remember, the, it was like a fork of Nessus. Like it, it got some momentum. Mm -hmm. We recently saw this with um, oh, Red what's Hat. the big thing? Red Hat and tofu, and, tofu. What? No, what's oh, the open tofu? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, uh, what did tofu fork? Do you remember? Wasn't it Hashi? One of the Hashi was Hashi Terraform. Let me look it up. <laughs> yeah, no, it was Hashi's either ter Terraform, maybe one of them. I'm trying to remember. I always get it confused. Um, I don't see it right off the bat. Um, yeah, open tofu. Let's see what was. It, Oh, HashiCorp, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is HashiCorp. And I think it wasn't it Hashi's Terraform product the project? Terraform. That was, yep, exactly yep. what it is. Terraform. Because Sorry, Hashi, I just hit a blank on that. <laughs> yeah, no, Hashi changed the licensing. And I look, I happen to believe that the last 10 years were a golden age for open source mm -hmm. under this foundational kind of model where you had these foundations. But I think a lot of companies who contributed with the best of intentions, open source, started to realize it's it's a tough business model to be uber successful in. And in many ways, maybe they wish they had done it differently. And so they're changing their model. And then, of course, you know, the, this is still business. It's 2006 again. You get some people in the community who who go the other way and say, well, 
is my prerogative in open source. I'll just fork it. You know, it, it's interesting because what I what I saw happen in, just in 2023 is really two bifurcated strategies. One is the let's bring open source back and make it kind of closed source, but we'll have an open source something like it, right? Or like the the Red Hats, et cetera, HashiCorp. At the other end of the spectrum, there were smaller, more startup companies who were adopting a model of everything we do is open source. Everything we build into the software goes into the open source version, and we'll make our money by running it in a like a hosted version of it. And, you know, as opposed to the support model like we did with Red Hat in the early days, this was the we'll operate it and run it for you and make it easy. And that was their business model. So... Now, I don't, there hasn't been somebody as big as Red Hat or whatever, HashiCorp, that's done that, I don't think. But it was interesting that company, that's the, we believe in open source. There's a community of people who, you know, are very firm on their beliefs about it and will never use something commercial if there's an open source option available. Um, but, you know, I think people have gotten more real, realistic about it. Our investors are expecting us to make more money. I'm tired of justifying why we're doing this open source version. Right. And I can't prove, demonstrate how much money. You know. Maybe they'll prove how much it was worth when they stop it, but who knows? I mean, you know, the underlying issue is you got to explain to your board why 97% of the people who use the software aren't paying for it. Yeah. That that's yeah. They call that theft in other organizations. Not saying it is here. Yeah, but you know that's how a business person is going to be like. But that's the mod. You know that's built into the model where if it you is. get four percent yeah. of people who pay for it, you're a success. It's look, mm -hmm. you're a Hall of Famer in baseball. If you get on, you get a base hit three out of ten at bats. Yeah, batting two hundred. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, batting 300 is Hall of Fame material. Same thing uh -huh. in open source. Anyway, it's a great article. People should check it out. The next DevOps.com uh, article has more of a security bent to it. Mentioned I was almost hesitant to put it on here and put it on Security Boulevard chats as well. But it, it's around a survey, um, a, a survey that was done. Let me just make sure I get this right. Cyber attacks aimed at software supply chains are pervasive. And there's an article by Mike uh, Vizard. Mm -hmm. um, look, I don't think the headline is radical. I think we all kind of knew this. Um, software supply chain security is probably one of the hottest areas in security and it has a particular devops spend because it is about attacking pipeline mm -hmm. right and and and, and inherent in that cicd process um it just amazes me though how quickly it shot up the charts here the billboard top 100 right where the white house is weighing in and the federal government is weighing in and the eu is weighing in and you know uh DevOps companies that now call themselves DevSecOps companies, of course, are kind of really building around this, as are some of the traditional AppSec vendors, right? Vericode's mm -hmm. all over this. Checkmarks mm -hmm. is all over it. Um, software supply chain security, SBOMs, hot, hot stuff. You know, it's a confluence of multiple things happening over a period of time, going back to solar winds, of course, but also Log4j demonstrated how pervasive you don't have to attack your software. If I can attack something else that yep. a wide, you know, large number of people use, that's a great way to 
you know, compromise and get into where you shouldn't be. Um, and, it, and it's interesting because this is sort of a the onion layered onion problem. There's like all security, there's sort of, I would say the easier things to do at the edges, like let's make sure you're getting your images from uh, a known source. You're controlling how software like images, uh, it, whether it's container, it container image or, or open source software, how that gets into your dev process. <clears throat> and there's basic things like uh, security, man uh, secrets management, excuse me, um, and making sure that's not in your code. And there's a lot of things like that that you could do. But as you dig down into it, and, and uh, I did a project with Red Hat last year around securing the CI/CD pipeline and getting into really taking each step of that, containerizing it, and then securing the access to that. So if someone got in the middle of your kind of your dev, um, all the tool chains that you're using as part of your CI/CD workflow, they couldn't break in at one point and then get compromised the whole thing. It's how do you kind of secure each chain of the link? So you can take it pretty far. Um, and it's not super complicated, but it's more than just using good secure images. I, I don't disagree at all. Don't disagree at all. It's, um, I, I think, Look, there's going to be a lot of issues that pop up around this, right? The de the dependency issues that you're talking about mm -hmm. is, is one, and the, and dependencies go forward and backwards too, right? So not just where I've used this software that I now have to go update, but software that was or components that were in my software that depended on other things that got updated. I now have to make sure it updates through too. And then that doesn't even count the APIs involved and okay. in, in everything else. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a big thing, and it's not. It may not be new to most of our audience, but it's it's certainly look software supply chain security. I think every development team, and I can't say every, but most development teams have now taken this as a, yeah, we have to really work on this and focus on it. We can't just let it go. <laughs> right. Absolutely, we don't want to be the not. next one with the problem. So they're taking yep. it seriously, which is great. Good for them. Well, they're going to be forced to. Next mm -hmm. up, Mitch, I wanted to mention an interview that Mike Vizar did with uh, Solomon Hikes. Right, I think most of our audience is probably familiar with the name mm -hmm. Solomon Hikes. Solomon, of course, of was Docker. the founder, yeah. CTO of Docker Inc. and guy behind kind of the Docker container, which really, you know, I mean, that was the birth of cloud native in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, just a whole different way of looking at stuff and enabled um, microservice based architectures. Enabled the cloud, really. Kubernetes. From virtual well, machines to containers to yeah, well, well, the move from infrastructure as a service to platform as a yeah, service, right? Exactly. So, of course, Solomon left uh, Docker I don't know, Mitch, years ago, or probably mm -hmm. three to five years ago. I remember. And I hadn't really heard much from him recently, but I guess they must have put a little PR campaign in because I, I sort of pop up on a few sites in addition to Mike's video interview, which is available on TechStrong TV. Um, Solomon's new company is called Dagger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, segueing off the last kind of segment we talked about software supply chain, he said, you know, he... In doing their research on this, the biggest issue they were hearing from developers was the supply chain issue, right? The pipeline issue. Mm -hmm. 
how do I do my pipelines securely? How do I do them efficiently? Um, you know, as fast as possible. And so that's what Dagger is about. And, you know, look, I'm of two minds. It's not, it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Right. Recreating and, a success is no small challenge. Yes. And I, you know, Solomon certainly captured some lightning in the bottle with Docker. Mm -hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean it'll happen with Dagger, but he, he certainly seems to understand the mind of the developer mm -hmm. or the challenges that developers face. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with what he's saying, that this is a problem. Well, it, it definitely is. And, and, you know, all the experience that comes with having done Docker and gone through the successes and the challenges that that entails, you know, hugely valuable. You and I also know it's all about timing. I mean, this, that's the part you don't necessarily control. It's Docker was the right thing at the right time. We didn't know we needed, but it lit, it caught fire. And, you know, whether Dagger does that or not, we wish him the best and hope it does and does successfully. Um, but that's the one thing I remember when I interviewed for one of the startup jobs I had and I asked a very successful CEO, startup CEO, and he said, it was, it was timing. It really was. I mean, I made that went from a nice exit to an amazing exit. So, you know, that being aside, I think the other thing about Dagger that was really interesting is kind of solving the problem or working on the problem of the complexities of a CICD pipeline that you're trying to deliver software or build software in multiple environments. You know, here's my Python environment. Here's my node environment. Here's my uh, software that I'm going, putting into a secure DOD or Fed or FIPS kind of certification. Here's, I'm testing uh, across these different variations of, of configurations from old code to new code. I'm running a bespoke version of every, of my application one time, every time for a customer. Building a pipeline to do all that and then say, now let's add this thing to, we're going to do some AI. Let's add that to all 15 or 20 or 50 configurations. That's, that's a lot of work. And I think that's part of what he's doing with Dagger is how to automate that so that you're not writing just scripts and you got to go change all that stuff by hand. I, I agree. Look, like I said, I, I understand, I don't disagree with the problem. He's uncovered here, and I hope he comes up with a great solution for it and wish him the best. We'll we'll yeah. keep a close eye on it. Um, I think that's all I've got in think the, Did you want to talk about code reviews? Week. Was that one you wanted to hit on? Oh, too, yeah, there was, a, there was a great little... I think it's a great article for the DevOps aficionados out there, right? The real <laughs> hardcore DevOps people. And um, this was a little article... Mitch, why don't you want to go over it? Go ahead. Yeah. And we're talking, talking about the benefits, the purposes of code reviews. And if our developers, of course, know, we'll know exactly what that is. It's one of the things that I enjoyed most and learned the most in, in leading a development team was doing code reviews. And not that I'm I'm a better coder than anyone else on the team. I'm definitely not. They're they're more efficient and ex, and experienced than I am. But when you walk through the logic of something and here's how I built it and here's how this works and how this function that calls that and you can, you see how things are put together in the software, in the architecture and the kind of design of it, 
And there's review for security and there's review for, you know, are you doing things well in the right way and, and best coding practices? Those are all good. The thing I found the most valuable was, oh, you know what? We have a library that does that. So use that instead of writing your code. Or, you know, there's a microservice that we just enhanced that, you know, while we're all doing running in 50 different directions, you wouldn't have known. So there, there's economies that you get out of it of learning from each other or maybe experience levels. I've got a great, you know, algorithm for that. I can show you there's a really cool pattern of how to do that. That knowledge learning and knowledge sharing, I think is one of the biggest benefits. Um, I don't know if he exactly mentioned that in the article. Um, the other, his other point was keep it small, you know, keep it simple, stupid, kind of the KISS principle, um, which trying to do a code review on a big application or a lot of, you know, you get tired about an hour, two hours into this, you're ready to pack it up and like, okay, the rest looks good. Let's move on folks. Yeah. So and then take, you a find out what you left. take your time. You yeah. don't have to. Well, it was, you know, how do you eat the elephant one spoonful at a time? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> to me, you know, so this, that's agile. That's part of the mm -hmm. agile process, right? To take this in bite-sized chunks mm -hmm. that you can digest easily, you can work on easily without burning out. But, and then secondly, you know, that idea of code review with a team and building rapport and camaraderie and a common sense is, is, you know, key to the culture you want to foster, mm -hmm. whether it's DevOps or Agile or ITSM even, right? Building mm -hmm. team in your IT, you know, building the team in your IT team mm -hmm. is, is an important, important aspect that I think sometimes gets short shrift because we tend to focus on tools. Absolutely. And this, this yep, article, great didn't article. It, it had a lot of recommendations, best practices, some really good thoughts. I would definitely recommend, you know, if you're doing development, do code reviews, check it out. It's a good, it's a good article. Absolutely. It was titled Improving Efficiency with Smaller Code Reviews. Is the name yep. It. And it's on devops.com. Mm -hmm. Mitch, I wanted to bring up another subject. Okay. We might as well announce it here because words getting out and, I don't want anyone to steal our uh, headlines, right? <laughs> so, you know, I think we've all been hearing over the last year, uh, DevOps is getting old, DevOps isn't cool, DevOps is not, they're not working as well as Still we thought. Relevant, There's platform man. engineering and SLOs and <laughs> SREs and, and everything else irrelevant. And, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I'm watching the cable news channels. 24 seven, you know, <laughs> but when, but when you go do your fact finding that search terms around DevOps are more popular than ever. Absolutely. Even yeah. at DevOps.com, which, you know, truth be told used to be significantly behind security Boulevard mm -hmm. and views mm -hmm. pages and everything has actually been growing much faster yep. and is in fact, just about caught up. The data to the does not part lie. Site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that shows to me DevOps is alive and kicking. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned, I've mentioned it to you, Mitch. I might have mentioned it on our show or on TechStrong TV. I had a conversation around this with a lot of DevOps leaders, mm -hmm. one of whom Jody Banzai. Jody is, of course, the founder of, uh, was the founder of AppDynamics, mm -hmm. CEO there. He was, he is the CEO and founder of Harness. Yep. And the CEO and founder of uh, 
traceable.ai and harness.io. And Jody said, DevOps isn't going anywhere. It's bigger than ever. But what we're seeing is the evolution of the next phase of DevOps, where instead of having cobbled together tools, we have coherent end-to-end platforms mm -hmm. where the cultural arguments and benefits that DevOps brings is sort of already baked in when they're accepted. It's not like an ooha eureka moment that you can have a cross-functional team that actually works together. That agile is not going anywhere in spite of what some people say. Right. And so in response to all this, Mitchell, right, we are the, we're devops.com, damn it. Damn and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's it's, gonna it's be part damn it. of, yeah, <laughs> well, I need my cigar. But that's part of our mission, right? That's part of <laughs> our mission to, to kind of spread the good news of DevOps. And, and that's what we want to do. And as part of that, I know you are, well, you you are the leader at TechStrong Research. You're leading a new uh, research projects. Is it DevOps Next? Mm -hmm. DevOps Next, exactly. And we're going to look at, you know, what's new and coming in DevOps. What are people hearing? And so I'd like to use the podcast as a way. Number one, there's going to be a lot of surveys or some surveys coming out of this that we'd love for you to participate mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. But number two, if, if you have the time and, and so inclined, if you wouldn't mind being interviewed by Mitchell and his team as to what your views and uses of DevOps are, you know, we'd love to have that kind of data that we can pull into the report. We would. Absolutely. So I mean, it's one thing to take a survey and we, we do a lot of that and collect data and that's good for the analysis, comparative kind of things. It's another to sort of get the, um, you know, feet on the street. What's really, what are people really doing? What have they learned? What are the challenges? Because you can also validate some of the data, but more importantly, you could put some real specifics around it. And I think that will be one of the more one of the most compelling things about our report. It isn't just going to be cold hard facts, right? Those will be there as analysis of that. But let's really dig into where people are when we say scaling DevOps is a challenge. Okay, let's get into the details of why that is, and maybe some of that will appear in the report or on our podcast, and we'll share those things. So we'd love to hear from folks. If you want to reach out yeah. to me, it's just Mitchell at TechStrongResearch.com. Um, I, I anticipate this is a second quarter uh, when yeah. this will come out, you know, as we put some more kind of meat on the bones, we'll know for sure. But um, we want to hear from everybody that would like to share with us. And there, there's going to be a lot of ancillary activities around DevOps mm -hmm. Next, including mm -hmm. this whole campaign called Got DevOps. Got We're going to be asking people to do like 10, 12 second videos, you know, about do they have DevOps? Do they love DevOps? they like devops whatever or with the hashtag got devops and maybe we'll have some cool prizes out there for people who participate no milk um, mustache though you don't have to have that no it's you don't have required. the milk mustache <laughs> no, i mean if you did you might have a better shot at winning the prize that's but true you would stand out from the crowd yes um <laughs> we're also we're going to be doing a uh, a video a limited a video series on got devops and devops next mm -hmm. as well as some webinars and there'll be a lot of editorial stuff and as i mentioned the social media maybe even a panel or so at the rsa conference on the security aspects of devops next so we're excited by this as mitchell said if you'd like to participate mitchell at techstrongresearch.com 
Um, and get ready for our Got DevOps video campaign on on all the usual social media, TikToks, and all of that stuff. So it should be fun. Yeah, we have Mitch, a, um, a roundtable coming up. We have a roundtable coming up the, I think it's the 23rd of this month, um, talking why I love DevOps. Kind right, of and that, that'll that be sort of a kickoff. prelude to it. Yeah, so and that's on DevOps Unbound, isn't it? Yes, it's DevOps Unbound, right on. It's on... Yep. Uh, the 22nd at 11 o'clock, why I love DevOps. And some great love folks it. are on that panel too. Very cool. All right, Mitch, I don't have anything else on DevOps. Well, we do. We just don't have For time. today. <laughs> yeah, I think we're about out of time. We probably went overtime. Anyway, man, as usual, it's great, great doing another DevOps chat with you. I love it. We're doing it in yep. different cities, just like we used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bet. We'll be back on next week with another episode of DevOps Chat. But until then, be well. Um, for TechStrong and DevOps.com, this is Alan Schimmel. And Mitchell Ashley. You just listened to another episode of DevOps Chats.